0: And then what I think is going to be the difference is like, okay, we max out all the keywords within a topic. What have we missed? What aren't we seeing? What are clustering tools not helping us find? And that's, I think, the difference maker is to actually hear the language that your customers are using because it might not be what you expect.
1: We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry we're here to learn and get inspired by them and we hope you do too now here's your host george cassiotis
2: before we jump into today's episode i'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode ahrefs ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one seo toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis keyword research and technical audits the best part You can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com slash awt and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS So I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Caitlin Burns, who is the content lead at Dovetail. Caitlin, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Glad to be here.
2: So as we do with every guest here at the podcast, the first question is about you and your background, uh, a sort, a brief history of, you know, um, where your journey started and how did you end up doing what you do today?
0: Yes, so I started out out um, of uni. I started out as a copywriter. Um, I knew I wanted to work in um, some kind of um, content creative space, but I didn't necessarily want to work in a traditional marketing role. So I started as a copywriter at like a um, at Groupon, which is a digital, um, very kind of like fast paced tech company, and that was my first kind of taste of an environment when things are moving really quickly and it's kind of hyper-growth. And so that kind of stuck with me as something that I liked, something that kept me um, checked in and kept me motivated. Um, so from there, I moved to another software company, a smaller, like privately owned one based here in Sydney. And I was there for like over five years. It was, it was one of those companies um, that was just great and had so many opportunities to move into different areas. So I started as kind of like a junior content marketer, And then, um, took on kind of growing the social media channels as well, which I think a lot of content marketers end up doing, um, they kind of get lumped in with, with kind of managing the social as well. Um, even though I think it's, it's a skill in it, in and of itself. Um, and then from there, I kind of was ready for my next challenge. I wanted to go to a bit of a, a company that was going to grow a bit faster and a bit quicker. Um. So I started reaching out to people. We were in the middle of lockdown here in Sydney, which is a weird time um, to kind of try and find a new job and an interview for a new job. Um, so that was that was kind of daunting. Um, but then I kind of I got really lucky, um, and someone actually reached out to me on LinkedIn um, from a company called Health Match, where he was building a a new growth marketing team and wanted someone to lead an SEO content strategy. Um, that was kind of their big bet to grow really quickly. And so after a few chats with him and with the founder, um, I kind of jumped into that and took on managing content. You know, we were producing a huge number of articles each month and it was a completely different thing um, than what I was used to and a pace that was just wild. Um, but that was I loved that and then after about a year was kind of ready to to move somewhere a little bit a little bit slower a little bit more steady um, and so that's how I've ended up at dovetail i saw another opportunity at a really cool company a great product and another opportunity to kind of flex that seo content muscle and and keep developing that as much as i can
2: for people who have never heard of dovetail before could you please share a couple of things about the company and its product what you know, uh, what the company does?
0: Yeah, so um, basically what we do is we help people get closer to their customer. Um, it's especially kind of relevant to software companies, but I think more than that, um, all kinds of companies these days are understanding how important it is to have to really kind of center the voice of the customer. And a lot of companies, you know, say they're very customer-centric, they put the customer first, and we really help them do that with software that makes it Really seamless to kind of, um, to store and collaborate on and analyze all different research findings from customer interviews to NPS to CSAT, um, to all kinds of like usability testing. So it, it's a way, it's, it's kind of like what Figma is to designer, Dovetail is to anybody that does research, um, at their company. So it's a, it's a really great product. It's got, a lot of fans, so I really encourage people to check it out if they haven't if they haven't tried it before.
2: Do you use dovetail to conduct customer research, like to inform your content strategy?
0: Absolutely, I think like that's what's really opened my eyes about working here is that you do not have to be a UX designer or a product manager or a, or a developer to to have the license to go and do research. It's it's anybody who wants to kind of use you know, evidence or, or actually kind of um, get get some support for either a hypothesis you have about a change or something you're building, but actually kind of like cement that in what people want. So we get an opportunity, and Dovetail is great at kind of encouraging us to go use the product. We dog food it. Um, we talk to customers about the kind of content that they're interested in, and, and it's yeah, it's invaluable. I, I would take it to my next company 100%.
2: One thing that uh, really struck with me, as you know, I was doing research for this episode, is dovetails design. I mean, mm. it's really, it's really unique, and I was, I was really interested because, you know, in, in many cases when you visit a SaaS website, it's pretty much, and I'm talking about different categories. Each, you know, like you see a homogeneity, let's say in, in the way people like in, in their design, uh, companies, you know, like have their, their design and also their copy and so on and so forth. But that really stands out. Can you, can you speak a, a bit about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like I wish I could take some of the credit for it because it's, it's really different. It stands out. Um, and partly, I think that's what happens when you're, you know, one of the founders is a product designer. Um, the, that visual identity is so core, has always been so important. Um, It never came second. I think with some software companies, it's like the functionality, you build it, you develop it, you put more research into it, and then you kind of try and package it up nicely, and then you hire a marketing team to kind of slap a website together. Um But for Dovetail, it was always kind of like hand-in-hand hand that the functionality of the product would grow just as quickly as, the brand and the identity and even today like we have a huge we have a huge brand marketing team and for a company that's only five years old and is only up to its like series A um to have this really mature like brand muscle um that is really well respected in design and and like we're you know we're sponsoring South by Southwest and we're going South by Southwest and doing all these crazy things that you know typically a SaaS company isn't prioritizing. Um, and it's paid off because Dovetail in its five-year history to get to this, you know, great valuation that we have um, and the kind of industry respect that we have, they've never actually done like actual kind of real go-to-market strategy. It's only been word of mouth that they've grown on. Um, and I think that you couldn't do that without the, the design and the brand and and how much time and investment has gone into it to build
2: that. I agree with you. And I mean, we've experienced the the impact that design can have ourselves. I'm not going to speak about the work we do for clients, but I mean, we had the kind of version 1.0 of our website, which was, you know, like when we launched Minusia. But I mean, three years later, almost, we realized that, you know what, this is not representative of who we are anymore. And we need mm-hmm. to change that. And so there was a lot of time investment and also, you know, a big financial investment that went into building our new website. And we ha- we still haven't developed all sections and have launched everything. But we have seen such a big impact. And maybe I shouldn't say this publicly, but we have seen mm-hmm. such a big impact when it comes to like, you know, form requests from, from our website. It, it's been, it's been amazing. And I think that like, we are the same company, you know, we, we do the same things. Mm-hmm. Of course, we, we try to improve, but just the fact that someone feels nice when they visit your website, and I mean, this created creates an impression. I mean, if I think of myself and pretty much anyone else, when I I am on a website like DoveTales, for example, I feel like I feel nice, and I feel yeah. that okay, this is most likely a comp. I don't know if the product is good. I've never used it, but this seems like a good company. Like I would, I would trust Mm -hmm. them. Let's say I, I would, um, I would give them my credit card details and I would like try out their their products just because your design says something about you. I don't know what your thoughts are about that, but I, I find it like fascinating how underestimated design is for, for SaaS companies and any other like business for that matter.
0: Absolutely. I think there's something aspirational about a a website that's really branded well. Um, You want to use it. I think, I mean, if you look at something like Notion or Figma, or even if you go, if you abstract it further and look at Apple and just the feel that they create around the products and, and what it says about you, if you have their products or use their products, I think that's where like really, really good design, just like, carries it and it it is about sure like good design is about usability and you want people to to have no friction to filling out a form because you really want them to fill out the form but there's also like motivation to fill out that form if you want to be a part of the brand if you want to be someone you want to be a dovetail user because to be a dovetail user you you know you you champion design and creativity and inclusivity and and that is something that this company knew straight away was important and they've executed it and I get to kind of carry it through to our content pages and Health Match was the same. Like Health Match was um had a great look and feel to to the website and had a great design. And when you're creating SEO content, I mean nine times out of ten, something already exists. So it's how do you make something better, something that is more valuable to the user. And it's not always going to be more content. Sometimes it's just the experience on the page and the feel of the brand and how you feel when you're on the website, how easy it is to kind of explore it and digest it. And so that's where it's super relevant to me, even though I'm not touching the product. It's like, Oh, absolutely. I, the the brand identity is in the DNA and I'm going to carry it through the content because it's going to help me just as much.
2: That's a great point. And, uh, I mean, speaking of, of SEO content, is that like the main pillar of your content strategy or is it just one of the, of the you know, uh, pieces?
0: It's one of the pieces. I think we're in a new phase where we're ready to kind of grow to that next level. So when thinking about the kind of strategies and tactics that can take it from, you know, we're not zero to one, we are one to two, I think at this point where we have, like, people know about us and, and people are finding us, but it's like, okay, well, how do we go out and capture a new audience and start to educate people who've never heard of Dovetail and don't realize that it's a product for them? And SEO content, for me, and how I pitched it to the business was making sense, I think, because that's where our users are. And when you're, wherever your users are is where you should be. So if you, I don't know, if you are selling... Um, something and like no one is searching for it on Google you probably shouldn't be pumping out content on Google because that's not where your users are for us it was kind of checking like okay is the keyword volume search volume there are people actually kind of going to Google to educate themselves move themselves through the journey of understanding the kind of solutions that this product delivers and once we kind of knew like okay the search volumes are really strong there's like a wide variety of topics that we can hit. We can be experts on it. It makes sense to be experts on it because we've got product market fit. Once all those boxes were checked, it just made sense to do a big kind of SEO content play that runs parallel to a blog that's building an audience to outlier, which is a kind of like a thought leadership, um, product agnostic outlet, um, I think it's been, someone described it to me as like the New Yorker for research. And I just think that's like the best thing you could ever say about anything when it comes to marketing. Um, so these things all work together, but the SEO content play is like the big kind of needle mover when it comes to uh, reaching a new audience and capturing a whole um, new net of people.
2: Isn't it difficult though to, to? and I would like to to know how you approach keyword research, but because I... You know, my thought as as I was doing the research for this episode was, don't they find it difficult to find like keywords to go after? I mean, as I understand it, there are many people who may be using Dovetail for many different use cases, right? Like UX designers or product managers, or I don't know who, who else may be uh, using the product. So how do you capture the attention of all these people? Is it just Keywords that have to do with the product's capabilities, or do you go, do you go a step like further and say, okay, these are the these are the audiences, these are the roles behind like these these ICPS, these are the things that each role, you know, is is interested in, and I will be there regardless of whether this is tightly connected to the product's capabilities or it's loosely connected to it.
0: Yeah, I think any any company that you try and do the strategy at, it's, that's the hardest bit because you have to become like you're a sales rep and you're a engineer and you're a product designer all in one because you're trying to understand everyone who could ever want to use your product and then how they would use it because that's how you kind of get, you abstract out your topics and then you can kind of build out your topics um, using keyword research and, and things like that. So how we approached it was use cases for the product in terms of the actual method. So we knew from speaking with our customers that we were using Dovetail for, um, for usability testing. And so I took usability testing and I built out around it um, what happens before, what happens at the same time, and then what happens after to build out this kind of like user journey and then in another column against the user journey is pull out all those key terms, all those jobs to be done, all those pain points um, and build content around that so that you're wherever they are in their particular user journey. If they need information, if they have a question and they're looking for an answer, we are there. So it is, an immediate association for them between usability testing and Dovetail. And that's the key. That's like the association, that mental link you want to create is like, oh, I'm going to do another study, but this time I'm doing, um, I don't know, a, a diary a diary study. So I wonder if Dovetail has anything about that because their last article on usability testing was really helpful. And that's how I think you get that like organic growth loop happening. Um, you've got immediate product market fit. But then again, the challenge is like, okay, well, say you've got product market fit feasibility testing and there's only like 20 keywords in there and total search volumes like a 100,000, like great. Like that's something, but it's not going to be the difference between like a 100,000 sessions and uh, 10 million sessions. So that's like the fun challenge of going even further, going higher, going wider, going to, okay, well, if they're working on usability tests, what kind of companies are they at? Okay, so they're at a software company. So what would a UX researcher and software company be thinking about, be working on? What are their jobs to be done? Does it make sense for us to make content for that, to capture them higher up the funnel? And then hope that once they're at that point, are they considering a product or looking for a new solution, you are already the go-to um, trusted brand that they associate for that. Um, so it's a challenge, and it's like it's not like I wish I could kind of like package up and be like, okay, step one, step two, step three. It's really messy. And it's, it's like a lot of it is just you end up gatekeeping in your head because you're like, well, I built this. I built this entire topic out from like a Wikipedia page about a course about this. And then I looked at Ahrefs and then built it out a bit further. It's not clean and it's not sexy. It's like, it's just this weird dark art that that hopefully kind of pays off.
2: I agree with you. Is there, is one of the like steps in this process actually talking to customers and like interviewing them and asking them uh, and not an SEO software or, you know, an AI tool or anything else mm-hmm. for that matter. Okay, what you know were you doing before? What are you doing now? What are you doing next? All these you know things that you described. is customer research a way to capture some of these like uh, uh, insights?
0: I think it is. I think for where we are at the moment in the term in in terms of like um, how mature we are with this strategy. We are going from zero to one. So there was already this kind of like low-hanging fruit of information on tools like Ahrefs that we could use. And then what I think is going to be the difference is like, okay, we max out all the keywords within a topic. What are we missed? What aren't we seeing? What are clustering tools not helping us find? Um, and that's, I think, the difference maker is to actually – hear the language that your customers are using because it might not be what you expect. And, I mean, it could be something that is emerging and you get the advantage of being there first, um, especially with, with topics like design um, and research. I think there's always emerging concepts that you should be, you should, if you can, be in front of. And that's where talking to your customers and actually hearing their voice would make the difference. Um, So it's definitely part of the plan, but I think at the moment we're focusing on just getting the foundation, um, which we can at the moment get.
2: I understand. I understand. You mentioned earlier Outlier, which is kind of a, Mm. I don't know, magazine or a a media outlet, or I don't know how, how you call it and perceive it internally. But to me, it's, you know, it's very close to what other companies do, for example, you know, Loom with the transcript mix panel with the signal, Mailchimp, or Intuit's you know Mailchimp with Courier, Notion with Tools and Craft, Atlassian with Work and Life, and you know the list goes on. And I find this, and and I'm very happy about it. Recently, we had some discussions with some of our clients about you know ideas like like this, and I really like that direction for for SaaS companies. I would like to hear your thoughts because I feel that more and more companies adapt this idea of doing and mindset of doing marketing like a media company. And I think that this is just a part of, of that. It's it's an expression of we perceive ourselves and the way we do marketing as a media company and not merely as a SaaS company that's trying to get leads or anything like that. So what, what are your thoughts on that?
0: I think... My thoughts, my thoughts on it are kind of like forming as I'm, as I'm exposed to it a bit more here. I think I come from a kind of like a a mentality of like content should be result driven. If we can't measure the ROI of something, is there a reason to do it? So for me, something like Outlier, where it's purely an exercise in creating awesome content and being creative and strengthening the brand something like that i'm i'm just like oh, okay <laughs> like but we can't measure anything and people are like that's fine um so i think for me it's been an adjustment and a learning experience because i mean we launched outlier before we launched seo content before we got an hrs account um which which is really like it's wild to me but i think it probably does speak to that emerging trend of of having something to say and kind of like being a part of the conversation with your customers rather than just trying to um, bait them into, into something, into a, a desired action. Um, I think it's like, I think it's, it's the right tone for how you communicate with your customers. I think it's really kind of like respectful and, it, and, It gives them value. It gives us value. And I think that's fantastic. I think a lot of content these days ends up being what I just described, which is we just want you to download this or sign up. Like we don't, we don't really, we aren't measuring if you enjoyed it. Um, so outlier in that sense is, is really unique and really exciting. And because it's so kind of like free and, and untethered from results. The people who are working on it have so much creative freedom to push the boundaries on things and talk to people who may not even be a Dovetail user or have ever heard of Dovetail, but have something that are, that we think our customers would find interesting and, and help them, um, give them something thought provoking. So it's, I mean, even like if you go to today to the website, and I would encourage people to go check out Outlier, um, because it's it's slick, like it looks fantastic, um, but it's not even really linked to our main marketing website. It's not an experience. Yeah, we can go and sign up for the product from Outlier. It's its own. It's its own thing entirely.
2: Yeah, that's that's great, and I like that. By the way, I like this approach. And um, recently, I made a post on LinkedIn about companies that kind of try to do marketing as a media company instead of just a, a SaaS company that just you know like doing things in a conventional, let's say, way. And I think that um, this is another thing that like struck me when, as I was doing the research for this episode. Another thing that was interesting was the Slack community that we, that we have, which according to the website has more than 6,000 members, which is very impressive because like there are very popular communities. I, I, I don't know about design. I will speak about content marketing because this is what we do with like, Ten thousand members, and this is massive. Like these are the biggest communities out there. And as a SaaS company having six thousand members plus in a, in a Slack community, it's, it's impressive by its own. Can you speak a bit about that? I mean, what's what's the point of this community, and how does it contribute? First of all, would you say that it's a it's an expression of or an, an activity that's under content marketing, or is it something entirely different?
0: Slack community is funny. I think. It's fantastic. It's it's like I check it every day because I learn something from our users every day. Um, Honestly, it's it's we don't do a lot. (laughs) Like it's very user led. Um, I think it's a great channel for our product marketing team and our product teams to communicate new features and updates that are relevant. Um, But even more than that, it's this it's this channel we have for immediate feedback, and we get like questions and suggestions and um, even just people will go into the Slack community and share how they set up their Doctile workspace and how they're kind of structuring their information and, and different tips and tricks that they found that have really helped them. And they just go on there out of their own, you know, goodwill to, to share it with other members of the community. And that's what it is. It's a community. It's not a company kind of like channel. Um, so. Everyone's very kind of protective of it, that it should stay organic and it should stay, number one, most importantly, valuable to the users, um, not a way for us to drive sessions to the website or subscribers to our emails. Um, our CEOs in it all the time, responding to, to questions and um, helping solve support requests. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's... It's not <laughs> like I like. I wish we could kind of um, do more with it, but it's it's already kind of humming away there, and and it's just so valuable to the people who use our product.
2: It um, sounds like community to me. Like this, is, this is. is what it sounds like.
0: It is, and and like to go to try and go and build that. Say we hired a community manager tomorrow, and we said we want to get a slack community of six thousand people. Like you would, you couldn't. So It's one of those things you've just got to like, accept and protect.
2: And, yeah, let it and like, do what you need to do. Let yeah, yeah, uh, let it find its its own way. Let's say, um, you mentioned earlier being focused on ROI, which is great, and it's also it's interesting because today we have a, a webinar about that kind of. The webinar is about how to budget for con marketing, and one of the things that we that we will stress is the importance of Communicating things that executives and senior management can tie into, like revenue and metrics that are important to them, you know. But my question is, do you find it difficult to evaluate the the impact of content marketing? And I'm asking because dovetail, I would say, partially because of you know all the efforts and the great job that we do that you do in terms of community building, content marketing, everything. Has a lot of um, branded terms that you know ranks for, and you know, like dovetail and close variations, misspelled words, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So my question is, do you find it difficult to evaluate con marketing performance and ROI? And does the fact that dovetail has a lot of branded search affects that, or kind of is it a roadblock in, in any way?
0: I think it is a sign of where we have invested time and money in to this point, which is the brand. So I think for all the brand, I mean, our top 10 search terms are some kind of spelling of dovetail. Um, so I think that's expected and I think it's fine. So it's I'm, I see it as my challenge that I want like, you know, maybe one dovetail in that top 10 and I want the rest to be organic top of funnel search term. I think in terms of measuring ROI, um, I got some great advice in my last role at Health Match to focus on inputs uh, rather than outputs to kind of measure velocity and production and um, efficiency internally, um, understanding that that should drive your kind of top line metrics. So for example, with something like a SEO CO content, I'm measuring number of new organic pages just as closely as I'm measuring an uptick in session because I know that they're correlated. And I can't control where Google ranks my content and I can't control how many people search that term. But I can control that page existing and I can control it being linked to a more relevant page and I can control that page being fast and responsive and having a great kind of like look and feel. So I think that that helped kind of free up a lot of my time um, rather than kind of try to diagnose little issues and... um, kind of like maniacally check Ahrefs every morning to see if we've gone up or down, um, It's to understand that the strategy is publish more content, drive more sessions. As long as I'm publishing more content, then the sessions will come. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, there's so many things you can measure. Like we're working on this at the moment, trying to build out like a dashboard of like growth marketing metrics. And we've we've had to be so disciplined and be like, we don't need twenty seven different numbers. We need like, you know, the top three. And then, yeah, sure we could check the others, but that's not that's not going to tell to the full story to be looking at them all individually. It's to kind of focus on the top line ones and make sure that they're moving in the right direction. They're not, maybe you go a bit deeper and you look at some secondary metrics to kind of help diagnose the issue and or see where there's some opportunity. Um but you could measure content stuff all day, all day, just like in so many. You could be Google Data Studio, you could be in HRS, you could be in SAMRASH. It just, you know, it would consume you.
2: I I agree. And I like this idea of uh, focusing on inputs, you know, as opposed to outputs. Because if you focus on inputs, you know, chances are that outputs will, will follow. Uh, I would like to start wrapping things up. Um, and I have one more question for you before the final question which is the same for every guest which would be you have a like you have a vast experience from what i heard today when it comes to you know startups saas companies more specifically doing content for these companies and so my question is considering everything that like we experienced lately with chatgpt ai content and all these like interesting stuff, where do you think all this will go like what what the future holds for content marketing for SaaS companies? I
0: think if I had a dollar, I think for like every time someone's come up to me and asked, why can't we just use chat GPT to write five hundred articles um I'd be rich, but I mean I get it I get you know it's it for people to kind of be able to like write things so quickly and so effortlessly. I get that this is like an actual advancement and I think we should always be embracing things that help us do our job better. Um, I think in terms of like the future of content marketing, these tools like ChatGPT um, are going to help us be more productive. Like so writing outlines or getting rid of writer's block or trying to get 50 ways to write something on Twitter. Um, to to sprig one post. Like, I think we should be using it. So, but coupled with that, and I've had this hunch since I was at Health Match where we were creating medical content. Um, and so medical content on Google is often reviewed by humans. Um, and we knew we needed to have on there some signals, some really strong signals that we were taking it kind of like really seriously and it was trusted content. And so we had medical reviewers listed. And now at Dovetail, again, I've adopted that. We have, like, subject matter experts listed on the page um, where they've reviewed content. And that's because I think content creation has become a little bit like the Wild Wild West in that anybody can spin up a page um, and it can kind of look and sound right. And it's really hard for a user to differentiate what kind of looks and sounds right with what is really kind of solid and correct. And I think with, and it makes perfect sense. I think they should, I think Google are going to look for more signals that tell them that a real human touched this and a real human has agreed to put their name to it and verify it. And that will matter in rankings. I mean, the new experience signal in like the EAT, I think is a sign of that, um, and I think that's where we're going. We're going to a place where we need more signals. We should be giving more signals to our readers that we are giving them accurate, up-to-date, relevant information. And, you know, maybe maybe it was written by a robot. That's totally fine. As long as it was checked by a human and fixed by a human, um, I think that gives the kind of, the best information for
2: people who are looking for it in Google. I like that. It's a a great view. And also, I would say an optimistic one, because, you know, many people are concerned nowadays that we are going to be replaced by like AI and things like that. I would say that as long as we do things in a unique way, and, you know, we do things in a way that's not so easy for any system, to replicate, I mean we'll be fine. We just have to find ways to integrate those systems like into the ways that we work and you know in our process and so on and so forth. But I like the way you you put it. I think this was a a great conversation. I don't know how how it was about you, but this was a great conversation. (laughs) No, I enjoyed it. So last last question I have for you. Um where can people find out more and and reach out if they'd like to?
0: Yeah, you can, um, you can email me at caitlin at dovetailapp.com um, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, definitely poke around the Dovetail website and see what we've got cooking. Um, and yeah, hopefully it's, it's interesting to, to listen.
2: Thank you very much, uh, Caitlin. Thank you. Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. AHRS provides you with an all in one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part you can now use AHRS Webmaster tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com awt and sign up for free.
1: Another episode of the SaaS SEO show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.